All right, church, say amen. amen. I'm excited about that myself. Uh, Lord's willing, we're going to be able to go and, uh, and be a part of that awesome missions trip. Grab your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40, I want you to pray for me. I got up with a sore throat, feel great, but a little sore throat. And I was going to try to, uh, to keep a peppermint in my mouth, but when I did the announcement, I spit about that third step, so I ain't going to work. So in, in order to keep the front row dry, I'm going to not use no peppermint. Amen. <clears throat> I'm sure the Montgomery's will appreciate that. Amen. All right. Isaiah 40. Some on y'all can laugh. It's all right. It ain't gonna, it ain't gonna break your face. Everything's gonna be all right. Amen? Amen. All right. Isaiah 40. We're gonna start in verse 9. Uh, but before we do, let me give you let me give you kind of an update. Last week we 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 began this chapter and we said that this is a, a prophecy, this is an encouragement, if you will, to a group of people who are in captivity. Isaiah, in this chapter from 40 to the rest of the book, he is writing to the nation of Israel who has been in captivity for 70 years. 70 years, they're in captivity. 70 years, they're being disciplined. 70 years, God is bringing them through judgment because of their idolatry, because of their wickedness, because of their sin, uh, uh, their, their inconsiderate worship. Everything that goes along with that, you can go back and, and listen to that last week. Uh, but he says, listen, I want, you to, I want you to lift up your head. Lift up your head. He said, comfort my people. Everything is going to be all right. And there's one word. There's one word uh, that we'll see six times in this chapter, and that's the word behold. All right, say that with me. <clears throat> say it again. Behold. behold. The word behold means to fix your eyes upon. To fix your eyes upon. And he says this, behold your God. Behold your God. Fix your eyes on the Lord. How many of y'all know peripheral vision will get you in trouble? When your eyes go to looking on your problems, when your eyes go to looking on your past, when your eyes go to looking on your circumstances and the issues at hand, and, 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 and when your eyes go to looking on the enemy, it'll get you in trouble. He says when your past is deplorable, he says when your path is difficult, when your power is de depleted, he says, I want you to behold your God. When you don't think you can go another step, behold your God. When the mountain seems too high and the valley seems too deep, I want you to behold your God. When the devil tells you you're not going to make it, when the enemy comes against you like a horde, I want you to tell the devil to go back to hell and get your eyes on your God. Behold your God. Fix your eyes. Get your eyes off your circumstances and fix your eyes on the Lord. Yeah. And all, all throughout the first part of that chapter, he, he talks about their past and he talks about the, 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 the road ahead and he talks about their power being depleted and how they will be strengthened. And now he says, behold your God. Verse number nine, when you get there, say amen. amen. Verse number nine. Oh, Zion. That bringeth good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, say it with me. Say it again. Behold your God. Behold, and then, and then from verse 10 on, from verse 10 on, he begins to tell them what they need to be beholden. 
or what they will behold. And he does it in a way of a series of questions, a series of questions. Who has done such and such? Who has done such and such? Uh, listen, and all of these questions, the, the, automatic, the automatic answer, you know, the automatic answer is this, no one. You know why? Because there's no one like him. All right? How many of y'all are ready to behold your God this morning? Well, y'all pray for me. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the opportunity to go to a, a mission field right here in our own country and, 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 and share the gospel with a needy people. I pray that you'll help me today. God, you know how anemic, you know how weak, you know how pitiful I am and how much I need you. Lord, we cannot do this. We cannot do this alone. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move in this place. Let us feel your presence. We are here to worship you. We're to here to give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. None of this today is about us. It's not about us. It's all about you. And I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may, I was about to say you may be seated, but you are seated. <laughs> you may stand if you want. Amen. I don't. <coughs> Behold, fix your eyes upon. It, it means to see with attention. How, how many of y'all know you can see something and not pay attention? You can see something and not pay attention. That's what it means to see with attention. Pay attention to what you're looking at. And the, and, and the main thing. Now remember, now remember, put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in the shoes of these people who have been in bondage for 70 years. They've been in bondage remembering their past and remembering their sin and remembering their disobedience. Listen, they have a, they have a 900 mile journey ahead of them through the desert, through the wilderness, through the rocks. Man, it is a treacherous time and a treacherous road ahead. But God is saying, don't look at your past. God's saying, don't look at your path. Don't look at the obstacles. Don't look at the issues. Focus your eyes on your God. Because see, God's not always going to take the path away from you. Right, we used to sing a song when I was growing up, when I was a little kid. Lord, don't move that mountain. Give me strength to climb. For if you should move each mountain, I'd grow weaker every time. God doesn't always need to move the mountain. God doesn't always need to take away the valley. God doesn't always need to do that because it is then times that will give you strength. God will bring you through. Say amen. What does he want you to see? When we look at this chapter, two points. Two points. I know you're going to think you get out early, but I got like seven subs under that point. Say amen. So just buckle your seatbelt. We're in here for the long haul. Amen. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm going to go through these quick. But I couldn't leave none out. I mean, I just went from verse to verse to verse to verse, and all of them was important. So we're going to see two things. God and his greatness. Say that with me. God and his greatness. And then God and his goodness. God and his goodness. God and his greatness and God and his goodness. You need to see who he really is. Let me tell you why we're biting our fingernails to the quick. Why we're worrying ourselves to death. Why we're having to pop pills just to go to sleep and get up in the morning and try to take on another day. We're, 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 just, we're just all two pieces because we don't really know who our God is. And our eyes are so focused on our issues, so focused on our problems, so focused on our circumstances that we can't see the God who is right there in front of us. 
But Isaiah says, behold your God. And what, what does he want you to behold? What does he want you to see? He wants you to see how great your God is. Church, say amen. amen. Look what it says. This is great. This is great. And by the way, I looked up that word great in 1828 Webster's Dictionary. It means large in dimension. A term, and this is, this is the key. This is the key to understanding the rest of the chapter. A term of comparison. A term of comparison denoting more magnitude than something else. In other words, when something is great, that means it's bigger than something else. Are y'all with me? Uh, I, I say this with me. My God's bigger. You say, then what? Whatever. Watch this. Watch how this works. My God is bigger than my problem. My God is bigger than my circumstances. My God is bigger than my valley. My God is bigger than my enemy. See how that works? You know why? Because he's great. Great is the Lord. Say it with me. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He's great. How's he great? How's he great? Here's the sub. Start writing these down. We see the greatness of God. He's great, A, in his power. He's great in his power. The technical term is omnipotent. 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 That means all-powerful. How much power has he got? All of it. He can <laughs> Hey, Nicky Joe, he don't have to go to the gym. He done got it all. He's all powerful. Now watch how, watch how the prophet describes it. It says, verse 12, verse 12, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span? And comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. And weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Now let's, let's look at that. I, I looked up those words in Webster's Dictionary. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He begins to tell you how great he is. How great in dimension. How great in size. How, how great in power. He says, who, who, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Now if you notice, a hollow is this right here. This right here. You know, what, you know what the prophet's saying? That our God, your God, this on your side, has taken all the oceans of the planet. And how many of y'all had one of them old-fashioned cooking grandmas that didn't measure nothing? They had a little of this and a little of that, and they would measure with the hollow of their hand. They'd put, oh yeah, that's just enough right there. Do you know the God of all creation, the God who was getting praise this morning, the God we came to meet with, and listen, in the very beginning of time, he took all the ocean water in the hollow of his hand. Oh yeah, that's just enough right there. Wham! That's how big he is. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. He's not only, listen, not only did he, did he measure it out, all the waters, all the oceans, all the seas in the hollow of his hand. Look what else it said. And he meted out heaven with a span. That word meted means to measure a dimension. It means to measure a dimension. And the span is a measurement. You know what a span is? From the tip of your thumb to the tip of your pinky finger. 
What does that mean? What does that mean? Look at it. Look at the verse. I'm just reading the verse and, and defining words. That's all I'm doing. Meet it out heaven with a span. When you look at the sky, when God put it out there, he went. He measured. Have y'all looked at the sky lately? Y'all ought to be doing jumping jacks in your pew. Because he is so big. He is so great that all the galaxies and all the stars of the sky were put out there like this. And you're worried about your little problem. A God that took the span of his thumb and pinky finger and said, yep, just right. Y'all ain't going to get it. It'll come to you tonight. <coughs> Look at what it says. <coughs> he meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. That word comprehended, Webster's Dictionary, you know what it says? It means to keep in, to contain, to measure. What does that mean? A measuring cup. When he, when he built the mountains and he built everything you see, all right. Are y'all getting this? Do you know there's a science involved in this? There's a, no, seriously, there's a science involved in this, in the study of the balance of the earth. It's called the science of isostasy. And it measures the balance of the earth. Do you know the earth is perfectly balanced with the mountains just high enough and the ocean just deep enough to keep everything spinning at just the right speed and just the right balance that we have gravity and we stay on this planet and don't get flown off or don't get squished down to it? I need a witness in the house of the Lord. Science is just now catching up to the word. Are y'all with me? You see, there was a time when science thought the earth was flat. But the word of God says he sitteth on the circle of the earth. Yeah, all right. I'll move right along. Y'all can't handle it. Y'all can't handle it. I see that. He's great in his power. He's great in his wisdom. Look what it says in verse 13. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Or being his counselor hath taught him. With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him? And taught him in the path of judgment. And taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. What's he saying? He's saying this. He don't need no advice. Has it ever occurred to you that ain't nothing ever occurred to him? Now here's that next word. Omniscience. Omni-science. Omniscience. I can't help it. That's how I spell stuff. Hey, man, got to break it down. Amen. They had a spelling bee here the other night. Them some, whoo, God help us. I'm glad I wasn't in it. Amen. He's not only omnipotent, but he's omniscient. That means he knows it all. Oh. He's great in power. He's great. In wisdom, he has no counselor. He has no advisor. He doesn't have to call anybody and get their opinion. (laughs) Boy, I want to hunker down right there, but I ain't going to see. 
Look what it says in verse 15. I told you we're going to go fast. Behold the nations. Now, now keep in mind, keep in mind, keep in mind we're talking to a, a group of people, a, 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 a nation who has been conquered and held captive by other nations. Matter of fact, multiple nations. Not only, not only Babylon, but the Medes and the Persians, if y'all, y'all remember. And so there's been one nation after another who has held them captive or put them in bondage. And God is encouraging them by saying, this is basically if you want to put it in words, he said, just look around you. All them ones that you've been in bondage to, all them ones you've been in captivity to, all them ones who have been stronger than you. Watch what he says. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance, just what's left over. What's that word? Behold. He taketh up the isles. That means islands as a very little. Ain't no problem. No problem. He's not only great in his power, he's great in his wisdom. He's great in his comparison. He said, listen, these nations are no comparison to me. He looks in, 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 in verse, number, verse number 14. Who's done this and who's done that? Then he says in verse 18. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? Verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Yeah. Isaiah 45, verse number, or excuse me, 46, verse 5. To whom will ye liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from that, what does that mean? That means I will tell what's going to happen in the beginning, and I'll go ahead and tell you what's going to happen in the end before the end ever gets here, because I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I've already been at the end. Somebody say amen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, mm. look what it says, Psalm 89, Psalm 89, 6. For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Oh, who can you, who deserves praise more than him? Who deserves worship more than him? Who deserves our adoration more than him? Who deserves our, our submission and our sacrifice more than him? He's great in comparison. Verse 16, he's great in his glory. He's great in his glory. In Lebanon, Lebanon is not sufficient to burn nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. Let me explain that. <clears throat> Lebanon, if, you, if you've gone to Israel, if you have not, I know I talk about it all the time, I can't get it out of my mind. I'm telling you, you go once and you're just going to be consumed with it. There's rocks everywhere. There's rocks everywhere. There's sand everywhere. I mean everywhere, everywhere, desert everywhere. And Lebanon is known for their cedar trees. Matter of fact, they took the cedar trees from Lebanon to build the Solomon's house, to build the, the, the temple, and it is full of cedars. It is full of trees that, that you just don't have in Israel. 
Now keep in mind that in God's economy in this day, they were still offering burnt sacrifices unto God. In other words, when you come to church, when you come to church, we bring our Bible and we come and we sing a hymn or, or we sing a song or we do whatever we do. That is our worship. We're coming to worship. But when they went, they would take a sacrifice. They would take a lamb or they would take a bullock or they would take something to offer unto God and a burnt sacrifice unto him. And what, what the, the prophet is saying, he says, if you took all the cedar trees of the whole nation of Lebanon, they wouldn't be enough wood there to sacrifice enough sacrifices to worship him in the worship that he truly deserves. No matter how long we preach, no matter how long we pray, no matter how many songs we sing, no matter how many praises we offer, we still fall short and are insufficient to worship Him in the glory that's due unto His name. We think we're doing Him a favor by coming to church. We think we're doing Him a favor by getting out of bed and coming here and saying, all right, God, check me off the list. I've done my duty today. You have no idea what you're talking about. He gives you the air to breathe. He gave you the health to get out of your bed and get in your car and get to the house of God. You ought to crawl on your hands and knees and give Him glory and praise. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our singing. If we sang till we couldn't sing no more, if we preached till we couldn't preach no more, if we used all the air in our lungs and all the oxygen we had, we would still fall short in our worship of him. Why? He's great in his glory. He deserves all the praise. He deserves all the honor. There's not a singer on this platform that deserves it. There's not a preacher that ever preached on this platform that deserves it. Not one single volunteer deserves the praise that only he deserves. If we all got what we deserve, we'd be in hell this morning with our back broke. But we have a God. Woo! Say amen. He's, I feel God bumps a hog could bite right now all over my arm. God is great. He's greatly to be praised. He's great in power. He's great in wisdom. He's great in comparison. Who are you going to compare him to? He's great in his glory. But look here. Look at the next verse. All nations, all those that had them in bondage, all those that had been so evil to the nation of Israel. All nations before him are as, help me, nothing. Say it again, are as. And they are counted to him less than. Now when you got nothing and then you just move right on to less than nothing. I heard a preacher say this one time, get you a bucket of water, stick your hand in there and take your hand out and whatever hole it leaves is how much he needs us. God don't need any of us. But thank God he loves us. And he chooses to use us. Don't ever think you're doing him a favor. Amen. He's great in his glory. He's great. uh, E, I guess. E, in his majesty. Look what it says, 21. 
Have you, and in, in, if you read verses 19 and 20, you'll find out that there are people who try to, to imitate him. They try, to, they try to build a God. And they'll put gold over it and bow down to it. Countries all over the world create their own God, who God says can't move, can't speak, can't talk, can't do anything. Even the poor ones will just take a piece of cedar or something that won't rot and create their own God. And then he says this, verse number 21, Have you not known? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning, even from the beginning of time, there was a knowledge and understanding of a true God? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Watch this. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Now think about this. Your Bible just proves science wrong when all of science thought it was flat at one time. And there's, there's so many more. I was reading a list of the things that the, 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 the Word of God declared way before science caught up with it. And it'll blow your mind. Amen. Anyway, that's a whole other message. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as what? Grasshoppers. That stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. That bringeth the princes to nothing, and maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. He's great in his majesty. I, I, the word majesty means greatness of appearance, dignity, grandeur. The quality or state of a person or thing which inspires awe or reverence in the beholder. Applied with peculiar propriety to God and his works. 1 Chronicles 29, 11. <clears throat> Thine, O Lord. Do we have it? Let's read it together. I believe, I believe with all my heart, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get legalistic right here. I'm not trying to get legalistic right here. I'm up here with a sweater on, no suit, and no tie. All right? There's preachers around this country that are preaching. If you're not in a suit and tie on church service, then you, you know. Listen, if you want to wear a suit and tie, wear your suit and tie. I like wearing them. But I don't wear them all the time. Just so you know, I don't have to. And I'm not trying to be facetious and I'm not trying to be smart. I'm just trying to make a point. You don't have to get legalistic in your thinking. You don't have to get legalistic in your, in, in your philosophy and theology. But I do believe we've lost a sense of reverence and awe in the house of God in America. And I understand, I understand the point of trying to reach people who are unchurched and trying to do all of that kind of thing. But when, when God's people lose reverence, we are coming, we are coming. I know God comes with us and I know God goes home with us, but we're coming in a joint effort, congregating together to worship our God. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there in the midst will I be. He will manifest his presence in a greater way in the crowd of people who are coming to praise him. And are we coming inspired and in awe and reverence of him? Watch this. Read it with me. <clears throat> Read it all. Everybody, everybody read real loud. I mean, let's, let's worship. You're going to help me now. Here we go. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head. 
Give him praise, church. That's who, that's who we came to praise this morning. He's great in his majesty. F, he's great in his reign. R-E-I-G-N, reign. In other words, his control over things. His control, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. For eight years, the Democrats were crowing and the Republicans were whining. Now the, now the Republicans are crowing, well, some of them, and the Democrats are whining. And we're, we're saying this and that, and oh, goodness gracious. Do you know God sets them all up and takes them all down? Alexander the Great could not come to power without the permission of God. Nebuchadnezzar could not come to, to come to power without the permission of God. God sets them up, and God takes them down. Let me, let me read it. Let me read it. Look what it says here about that, about God's rule on this earth. It says this, verse 23, verse 23. And I'm not making this up. I'm coming right out of the book. That bringeth the princes, that's the kings, that's the royalty on this earth. That bringeth the princes to what? He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted or established. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he also shall blow upon it. And they shall, and the whirlwind shall take away their stubble. You know what he's saying? No matter how great their kingdom is, no matter how great their glory is, no matter how great their, their power they think they have or their authority, all God's got to do is, All the Caesars are gone. All the great conquerors are gone. All the great emperors are gone. All the great dictators are gone. Are y'all with me? You know why? I was reading. I don't have time to go to it, but you were to go read about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel's in captivity in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, he's just, he's just, he's just a pompous, prideful jerk. Look at me. Look at my kingdom. Look at my power. Look at it. And God says, okay. All right, big boy. He took it away from him. Matter of fact, he went crazy. God drove him out of his palace into the wilderness and his hair grew like it was as eagle feathers and his fingernails grew like they were claws and he ate grass like an oxen. And Daniel said this, God's going to let you do this till you get in your big head of yours that God sets them up and God takes them down. And guess what? God let him come back. He got cleaned up, got his hair cut, got his nails cut. And listen, he's back in his palace. He's back in his kingdom. And this is what he says. Hey, I'm nothing. He's everything. How many of y'all know God will humble you? God will show you what's up. Amen. You ought to go read it. It's great, man. I was having a fit last night in my office. It was wonderful. God disposes of human leaders according to his will. Verse 24 expands on how suddenly he removes them. Daniel 2.20 says this, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and he setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He saw, Daniel saw him set up Nebuchadnezzar and take down Nebuchadnezzar. He saw him set up Belshazzar and take down Belshazzar. He saw him set up Cyrus and take down Cyrus. He said, listen, all the power and all the authority on this planet, the president of the United States is on a lower tier. All God's got to do is. 
You know why? He's great in his reign. Don't worry. Don't fret. Everybody's freaking out. Every Christians are just going nuts over this election coming up. Even if Hillary was elected, God, God would have been. Hey, listen, it cannot happen without his power. God will do what he wants to do when he wants to do it with who he wants to do it whenever he decides to do it. And we can't do nothing about it. You know why? He's great. In his reign. Then G. He's great in his work. Look what it says in verse 25. You notice how we're just going verse by verse? When we get hung up on something, we'll just take our Webster's Dictionary out and and define the words and it gives us understanding. Verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? If the greatest powers on this earth, I can go, and they're gone. Who are you going to liken me to? Who are you going to compare me to? Look what he says. Verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high. And there's that word again. And behold. behold. You know what? Something dawned on me last night. I was just sitting there reading this over and over and over again. And something dawned on me. He said, lift up your eyes. And he's talking about looking at the stars. In this verse, if you read the context of the verse. He's talking about looking at the stars. How many of y'all know there's a bunch of them up there? How many of y'all you can't number them? You can't count them. But he already has. And he's named them all. But watch what it says. Look look at your verse. Look at it. Go ahead. Hey, Mo, I saw that picture on Facebook. Mo had a fro. It was great. I loved it. I'm sorry. I just had not thinking about that when I saw you. I'd give a million dollars to have a fro like that. I ain't going to lie. It was great. Look at your verse. Look at your verse. Right after behold, what's the word? Say it again. Did you notice it didn't say what? Now the context of the verse is this. Look at them stars. They can't even be numbered. He's got them all in just the right place. And he's got them all named. And by his power, he hangs them out on nothing. But he don't say, look at the stars. He said, look at who put them there. Did y'all catch that? Read it. Look, look, look. Help help me, help me. Let me me show you. Lift up your eyes on high and behold. What's that word? Say it again. Say it again. Look at who hath created these things. Don't look at what he created. Look at who did it. That bringeth out their host. That's the host of stars by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For he that is strong in power, not one faileth. Have you got a good glimpse of him lately? Look at him. Look at him. Not your path. Not your past. But you don't know how bad I was. Do you realize how great he is? This one we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes is the same one that said, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You tell me, God, your sin's so big that that God that big can't handle it? 
Amen. Amen. Number two. Don't freak out. This is a short one. <laughs> Number one. The prophet said, get your eyes off your circumstances. Get your eyes off your past, off your path, off the power that's depleted, off of your struggles, off of the enemy, off of the issues, off of the valleys. Get your eyes off it and focus, fix your eyes on your God. Then he says, he says, I want you to fix your eyes on the greatness of God. Say it with me. Fix your eyes on the Number two, he says, I want you to fix your eyes on the goodness of God. Now, there's a setup verse to these verses. And I'm almost done. I know I got like a minute and 22 seconds. Watch this. There's a setup verse before we get into the goodness of God. Look what it says. Verse number 27. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Why sayest thou, O Jacob? He's talking about Israel. And speaketh, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. You know what I'm saying? In terms of this, we're in a mess, and God don't even know it. How many of you have felt sometimes in your life that you just got yourself in such a big mess that God can't even find you? Now imagine this, 70 Years in bondage. 70 years as a slave. And the people had got to the point they truly thought that God had forgotten them. That God had, now watch this, now stay, listen to what I say when we go into these next verses. That God had finally gotten weary of them. In other words, tired of getting them out of trouble. Let's be honest. How many of y'all can be honest? Anybody be honest? Y'all can't be honest? How about it? Balcony, can y'all be honest? How many of you have ever gone to God and in the back of your mind you're thinking, God's tired of hearing from me? Maybe you was afraid to pray because you thought, it's me again. And somewhere in your mind and somewhere in your heart, the devil's convinced you that God's tired of your mess. And God's tired of your foolishness. They were saying, God, he's forgotten about us. Watch what it says. See, that's the setup verse. Look at the next one. Hast thou not known? When you think God has forgotten you and you think God's tired of your mess and you think God's weary with putting up with you, he said, don't you know? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, say it with me, Neither is, neither is weary. (laughs) Oh, I hope you're getting this. There is no searching 
of his understanding. What's that mean? You're taking this under God's goodness. Write this down. A, he knows. He knows. He knows. Preacher, I'm broken. He knows. Preacher, I'm hurting. He knows. Preacher, I don't think I can take another step. He knows. The psalmist said it this way. Psalms 139, 1 through 4. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Say it with me. Thou hast searched me and thou knowest my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts are far off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. There's not even a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. You know that old blues song, nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows my sorrow. Eat your heart out, Jalen. He won't give me a mic. I'll just take my opportunities when I can. Do y'all know that song is a complete lie? You know, your own spouse may not know what you're truly going through. Your parents might not know what you're going through. Your bestest, bestest friend, your BFF, may not even truly understand how broken you are. But there is a great God in heaven who knows. Man, I need more time. He knows. B, let me hurry, hurry, write this down. Not only does he know, he cares. He cares. Listen, when you're in your storm, when the lightning's flashing, when the thunder's rolling, and the winds are blowing, the devil's going to try to convince you that God don't care about you. And he don't care about your problems. Peter came to Jesus and said, Carest thou not that we perish? Jesus steps to the bow of that boat and says, Peace, be still. Listen, whatever you want to doubt in your life, don't ever doubt. Don't ever doubt. Don't ever let this come into your mind that he don't care. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he I looked that word up. The second careth. This is what it means. It matters to him. I'm talking about the God who's holding the stars just right, spinning the earth at just the right speed, keeping the sun burning at just the right temperature to have everything the way it needs to be. He cares about you. He not only knows, he not only cares. Then see, here it is, we're finished. He supplies. Look what it says. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. 
Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's two things you read in that verse that God will give. is strength and stamina. Not only strength to go, but stamina to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep getting up. God didn't say you're not going to be knocked down. He just said he's going to get you back up. They shall mount up as eagles. Are y'all with me today? What problem, what problem this morning do you need to get your eyes off of and fix on him? What issue are you going through that brings tears to your eyes and brings pain to your soul? That you need to come to this altar and say, God, today, this morning, I'm getting my eyes off my problems and I'm fixing them on you. And all God's people say it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is.